0: we got a packed show today. We've got to talk about Fox's ratings. The seasonal ratings are in. Axios did a big, huge report on it. And by the way, this is not looking good for the cable network. People are moving away from cable overall and, and definitely from Fox. We're going to get into the details of it. Plus, oh, what do you know? The Democrats, they just won't give up on this. They don't want Trump thing. Now, the latest and greatest is that they want to invoke the 14th Amendment. It makes absolutely no sense. The whole thing is ludicrous. And the idea that some rather scholarly names are lending themselves to this, is pretty darn tragic. Just going to say. Meanwhile, what, 5,400 emails, that's how many we're seeing right now, that were, were like pseudonyms for Joe Biden when he was vice president of the United States of America to communicate with his son Hunter? What is that about China, Romania, Ukraine, you name it? Uh, It all comes on a day when, by the way, you know, the tips kind of feel down because you get the White House out there saying that they basically have no interest in protecting girls in women's sports. I'll play the sound for you from Corinne Jean-Pierre. And I'm also going to play you something that will make you feel a little bit better. I'm going to play the full, full round of this. But just take a glimpse. Here's Mrs. America, the new one.
1: When have you felt the most
2: empowered
0: Mm. her answer is just fantastic everyone just fantastic welcome to the program i am Trishri and we are live here it's great to see all of you i'm just taking a look at some of your comments so many familiar faces again and we get a lot of new people i love seeing leslie here every day great to see you michael donnell as well so very nice to have all of you here i am looking at all of your comments and we're going to get to some of your comments and reactions as we go further through the show we are brought to you as always of course by legacy Investments.com. Biden had something hysterical to say on his Inflation Reduction Act today. He said something to the effect of, oh, well, it really shouldn't be called the Inflation Reduction Act because it's so much more. I'm thinking, okay, yeah, right, buddy. It should not be called the Inflation Reduction Act because guess what? It just added to more inflation. But no, no, that's not what he meant. He wanted to say, oh, it's so much more because, you know, he did all this environmental spending and this, that, and the other. Anyway, if you're worried about inflation if you're looking to kind of have some of those hard assets like gold and silver go check them out one eight six six five eight nine zero five six zero you can give them a call welcome to use my name of course very good friends of mine they were the first sponsor of this show okay let's turn to these ratings like I said Axios took the time to do a big I don't know if I can I don't know if you guys can see this yeah probably not so well anyway what they have on the top is Fox what they have then is MSNBC and then they have CNN down at the bottom but nobody really cares because CNN is really irrelevant Right now. So, you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna make it like that. And it's still pretty, pretty hard to see, but you know, we'll make the best of it. Anyway, they're they're looking at the prime time ratings for basically what's happened since Tucker Carlson left the joint. And what you see is that it's been kind of a struggle. I mean, they had like a real plummet after Tucker left, and then they started to kind of plateau. But something interesting happened along the way to the forum, and that would be that the news flow changed and it's not so much in their favor anymore. I think a lot of you uh, used to watch Fox. Maybe you used to watch me on Fox. You might've watched Tucker on at Fox. I was on at Fox business. He was on at Fox, same exact time, eight o'clock at night. And there's been a lot of change. Of course, it's happened at the network. Lou Dobbs was on ahead of me at 7 PM. Many of you used to watch my friend Dan Bongino on Saturdays. He's not there anymore. Steve Hilton doesn't do his show. Kenny. I mean, there's like a whole slew of things going on. So I think as a result of that. was like too much change all at once for the viewers and they're like wait a second what is this network who is this network and by the way they don't really like the candidate that I like and so as a result of that and the result of newcomers like Newsmax and frankly streaming hello right we're right here together and you can go watch Tucker and you can go watch Bongino and you can watch me and you can select and be more of a voice yourself in terms of your own news that you seek out well that's resulted in Some challenges, shall we say, for the network. So as a result, between that opportunity, if you would, for people to sample different content, more content, combined with, combined with the reality of a news cycle that maybe Fox doesn't know what side it's on, that starts to actually erode viewership. And so, consequently, you're seeing MSNBC like sort of soar. I mean, this is not really good news for them. I, I, I'm. Look, it'll be a long time coming. Don't get me wrong. I don't love, you know, from an investing standpoint, this particular company, unless I think they can really print cash, because it's kind of a business that's going away. And and that's not just Fox. I mean, that's the entire cable industry. This is a business that is changing dramatically in part because we're all here together, sort of in a 3D universe where I can see your comments, um, you know, Herbie, you know, I, I see it and, I, and Susan and, and you know, I, I get it. You're, you're not watching those places anymore. So that's going on. And, and as a result, I think cable in general is challenged, but specifically Fox, because because of this sort of betrayal, if you would, of the viewership and people thinking like, wait a second, you had me And then you didn't. And not only did you not have me, you didn't have Trisha's back and you didn't have Tucker's and you didn't have Lou's and you didn't. I mean, you you guys are just like, you know, cutting the cord with all your talent. And I think the viewership is like, yeah, we're cutting the cord with you. Thank you very much. So let me share with you. This was really sort of the kick in the pants. And my sort of inside knowledge of the place is that they're kind of freaking out. And, And they do freak out because they live and die by their ratings literally every day, like they get them at 3.30, 4 o'clock and they are glued to them. They care desperately about them. And when MSNBC beats them by like a million, that hits hard. That hits really hard. This is not good news for them. So here, I'll share with you uh, MSNBC scored some big wins in the cable news rating to kef- kick off the week as coverage of former President Donald Trump's fourth indictment and a well-timed interview with Hillary Clinton led to an audience surge there on MSNBC. They beat both CNN and Fox News in total viewers in the key 25 to 54 age demographic, bringing in 1.63 million total average day viewers and 210,000 in the demo, edging out 1.52 million total viewers and 180,000 average demo. There, But then you go down and you look at primetime and that's where it like really starts to fall apart. That's where I said, you know, you're getting a million dollars, a million viewership spread. And that's what just terrifies, terrifies. I, I, I kid you not, Fox News and its executives. I kind of think they live and, you know, breed these things a little too much if you ask me, frankly. But anyway, MSNBC got $3.1 million. And Fox came in second with 2.2 million. Wow. And then you look at, you know, just Maddow versus Hannity, and you're talking 3.9 million with Maddow's show and 2.4 million with Hannity's. So you may say, oh, you know, like it's a one off, it's a one off. But I go back to this chart, which you can barely see. But you see this chart, if you look at sort of the, the news, the periods with the Trump indictment coverage, what you see is that Fox just plummets. Because even if they pretend they care and they're upset and this isn't right, nobody believes it. And when you lose the trust, when you lose the trust and faith of the viewers, you've you've lost the whole shebang. So I would suspect that even though they're, you know, they're like, oh, well, we were top last night, whatever, it, it's not gonna stay that way as we go into a news cycle and you have a president, former president, that might actually be on the stand in Georgia in September of 2024. I mean like that's when the bottom's going to fall out from under with Fox News. That time, right? <laughs> anyway, let me turn to another story because boy, it's like they're like a dog with a bone. They just won't give up. But in not giving up, these progressives, these leftists have actually put our country in a really, really dangerous spot. I mean, they're they're like talking crazy talk right now. Really And truly crazy talk. And I always knew Robert Reich was a little out there. A little out there. (laughs) He's very small. Anyway, he's really out there. Just very small. Robert Reich, he was the economic guy, you know, in in the Obama administration. And I think in Clinton, too. He is just, uh, well... For lack of a better word, dare I say communist? (laughs) I think he might actually thank me if I say that, so I think I'm okay going there. I mean, we can at least call him a socialist, right? But he's like bordering on full-on communist. Well, he's got an idea to keep Donald Trump totally off of the ballot. It's totally insane. I'll tell you why. But just listen first.
3: Donald Trump should not be allowed on the ballot. Section 3 of the 14th Amendment prohibits anyone who has held public office and taken an oath to protect the Constitution from holding office again if they, quote, have engaged in insurrection against the United States. This key provision was enacted after the Civil War to prevent those who rose up against our democracy from ever being allowed to hold office again. This applies to Donald Trump. He cannot again be entrusted with public office. He led an insurrection. He refused to concede the results of the 2020 election, claiming it was stolen. Oh, Even when many in his own inner circle, including his own attorney general, told him it was not.
0: OK, OK, we get the picture, Bobby. So Robert Rice is out there carrying the water for the whole Democrat Party saying what, you know, frankly, any self-respecting academic shouldn't say. But, you know, this is Robert Reich we're talking about. Anyway, so Robert Reich is like, okay, we're, we're going to go with this 14th Amendment thing. Only little problem here, guys. I hate to break it to you, but, you know, there's been 91 counts, four different cases, two federal, two state, and no one has yet charged Donald Trump with insurrection or trying to overthrow the government. Like, that charge is not there. I mean, hey, they get charges like, you retweeted incorrect information. And apparently, you know, in this crazy mixed up world in which we live, if you retweet something that's not perfectly true, oh, you're, you can be indicted for it. I'm laughing, but I shouldn't be laughing because it's absolutely, totally, utterly insane. But yes, this is the world in which we live. And it's a scary one because they are so desperate to do whatever they can to keep him off the ballot that they're like striving and really reaching in very, very big ways. Let me see. I think I have a copy of the 14th Amendment in here. And I will read it to you if I have it. But basically, well, you heard it from Robert, right? That, you know, if you uh, have started an insurrection then uh, and been charged with that, that you cannot actually run for office. Well, um, so we'll we'll let it be with what Robert said. But, but again, I, I just go back to this. Nobody's charged him with that. Like, they've certainly had ample opportunity, have they not? I mean, many, 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 many opportunities, and they have yet to charge Donald Trump with that. But what's frightening is just how they're trying to control the narrative, to fix things the way they want them fixed. And I'll tell you, the real story, the real story, is the one that broke today, and that's that 5,400 emails, 5,400 emails have now been discovered by the National Archives They were gotten through the Freedom of Information Act, and they all belonged to Joe Biden. And apparently, these were the email addresses that he was using, different pseudonyms like Robert Ware and Robert L. Peters, to communicate with people, including Hunter Biden. Now, if you look at the headlines in the Daily Mail, what they will tell you is that, like, all 5,400 were going to Hunter Biden. I have yet to verify that, so I want to be careful on that information. But I think it's worth knowing here that these electronic records, some 5,400 of them, including emails and documents, suggest that President Biden used different pseudonyms while he was Obama's vice president. The existence of the emails, as I was saying, they came about because somebody filed that Freedom of Information Act back in June of 2022. You got Robert Ware, W-A-R-E, you got Robert L. Peters, J-R-B Ware. They are all pseudonyms for when he was vice president. And this is, well, just a little concerning the sheer volume, as the article states, raises lots of questions over whether then VP Biden broke the, quote, absolute wall he said he maintained between the personal and the private in government. Emails from Hunter's laptop also reveal business partners referring to Biden as the big guy. And let's not forget, okay, as soon as he becomes vice president, what is What does Hunter do but go and set up 20 different LLCs, lots of different LLCs, which made tons of money? You're talking millions of dollars that were coming into these accounts. NBC News reporting that Hunter Biden got $11 million just from Ukraine between 2013 and 2018 and spent it just as fast as he got it. I mean, they were conducting an investigation Because of uh, some unseemly, well, there was the tax thing, but actually they originally stumbled across Hunter Biden and his problems. When I say they, I mean the IRS and the FBI because of uh, some international amateur porn ring. We haven't heard as much about that. I hope not to, frankly. But that's originally why they were on to him. And then he gets all this money And his banks, including six major U.S. banks, we're talking big ones like Bank of America, J.P. Morgan, they're like, whoa, because they have all these rules, right? Like you have to know your customer and when money's coming in from overseas, like everybody asks questions. And so now they're like, what is going on? And they issue what's called a suspicious activity report. To get that is like sort of rare. I'm going to let James Comer explain this because he used to be on the board of a bank and he went and sat down with Ted Cruz recently. He talked about the 170 SARS reports that were filed in relation to all these Biden LLCs. And he's like, listen, this is weird. Like, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen because banks don't want to have to go there. Because once you do that, you're filing it with Treasury and Treasury Department's like, whoa, wait a second. What kind of bank are you with customers like that? Anyway, here we go. Here's Representative Comer speaking recently with Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz, on his podcast.
3: Who, over the course of, of 10 years. And, and how many were, were issued concerning Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and the Biden family? Over 170. They were, they were direct. Wait, you were at a bank and they issued two in, in 10 how many years. years? If, you in issue, if you had two SARS, they're called SARS uh, in, in the banking industry. If you had two SARS against you, it would be hard for you to open an account somewhere. There wouldn't be any bank that would want to uh, have you as a customer because it's not worth the paperwork. Remember, when the bank files one of these, you can understand this, appreciate this, Senator. That's inviting the regulators to come in and regulate. Okay? That's the last thing the bank. So, want. 170 get filed. That means that somebody's getting a deposit in their account. It's a big amount, it's from somewhere suspicious. I mean, what triggers it? Why? Uh, You're a banker. Uh, what is it that makes you say we got to file a SAR? A large transaction that comes out of the blue. So, and what's you had, large? So, what, what is there a well, threshold? You had, you had a mil- I'll use the Robinson Walker account because we subpo- that was the first bank okay. account we subpoenaed. Now, who's Robinson Walker? LLCs. Rob Walker was one of the associates that they used to uh, funnel money from China and then and Romania and then down and launder it down to the Biden. So, he's a.
0: Whoa. You got that? Okay, so they get all these accounts. Rob Walker was one of them, Robinson Walker, one of the LLCs. And uh, the money's going here. there, and everywhere. And the banks are like, whoa, what's going on? So then they filed these suspicious activity reports. And as you heard Mr. Comer say, like, it's unheard of. Like, 170, like, bizarre, 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 bizarre. Not to mention that Hunter Biden wasn't even paying his taxes on any of this money. I mean... Think of how brazen that is. I mean, not only is he doing the illegal foreign lobbying, perhaps in conjunction with his dad, that's what we're trying to figure out, 5,400 emails now that we can look at, not only is he doing, he's actually actually just just thumbing his nose at the IRS while his dad's out there saying everybody's going to pay more taxes, Hunter's making millions and pays nothing. Go figure. Anyway, here's his business partner who sat down recently with Tucker Carlson, and Devin Archer said, well, he explained it. They were in the business of selling one thing, and that was Biden.
3: you got to be an expert in knowing the guy, and he was the guy that was the expert in knowing the guy. He was an expert in knowing the guy. Right. And who was the guy he knew? Uh, well, he knew a lot of people, but obviously yeah. there was some familiar, you know, some, his brother, his father, uh, yeah. uh, some of his, his father's siblings. So he, he knew a lot of people. And, and obviously I know you're pointing to, you know, the father being the key relationship.
0: Yeah, you think. So if Hunter's the guy who knows the guy, the guy is the big guy, right? In the Oval Office, they can pull some strings for all these countries all around the world that need the help of the United States of America. Well, in the case of Ukraine, in the case of Ukraine, you had a situation where there was this kind of shady energy company called Burisma. You know it well now. And they needed to go out and uh, find somebody to help shepherd them along with their various things that they wanted to do. And I guess keep the Ukrainian prosecutor, that would have been Viktor Shokin, who's now come out and made some really bombshell allegations saying this was all bribery. The Burisma bribed Hunter to get his dad to do this. Now watch, because in this particular moment, Joe Biden admits it admits the power that he had and could exercise over Ukraine, omitting, of course, the fact that Barisma had hired his son to the tune of $83,000 a month, as well as, Devin, another $83,000 a month, and that Barisma wanted to make sure that this particular prosecutor was fired because they wanted that prosecutor off their back. Watch.
4: Well, I, I, I was... Not I, I, but it just happened to be that was the assignment I got. I, I, I got all the good ones. Uh, and uh, so I got Ukraine. And uh, um, I remember going over convincing our team, our brothers, <coughs> to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, mm-hmm. I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kyiv, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to the press conference. Said no. Nah. I said I'm not going to, we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said. I said call him. <laughs> I said I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars. I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked. I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. (laughs) You got fired.
0: Ah, Okay. And you know the guy he's talking about, the prosecutor, is the Victor Shokin guy. I've played his sound several times for you. He is now alleging that he was fired because he happened to be investigating the money that was being exchanged between none other than Hunter Biden and Burisma. So, wow. I think there's a little something more to learn here. Perhaps the more frightening thing is the reality that they don't want us to learn this. They, they so much don't want us to learn this, that they were willing to do quite a deal, quite a deal with the DOJ. Quite a de- So Hunter's lawyers, They were threatening, ah, you know what? This is going to get really bad. You're going to have a constitutional crisis on your hands because you're going to have to put Joe Biden up on the stand to testify for his son. we have already heard over and over again, I'm so proud of my son. I'm so proud of my son. Yeah, he's just great. Tax evasion, you know, having a gun illegally, all that stuff. And now we, we can add this foreign lobbying, which seems to have been illegal foreign lobbying that has not yet been proved. But I'm pretty sure, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire on this one. Anyway, Hunter Biden was someone that they were trying to protect. Obviously, his dad's the president. And so this investigation was ongoing. They were protecting him so much that when reporters tried to report on the laptop back during the election in 2020, I mean, how is this not election interference? They were right there, ready, willing, and able to tell everyone, nope, can't do that, can't do that. It's nothing but a bunch of misinformation. It's all misinformation. Oh, until it turns out that the misinformation is actually correct. And the stuff that we you know originally thought um, was wrong. I mean, it's like everything's backwards, right? The dossier, that was totally true. And yet that was misinformation from them. I mean, like it's at some point, like the American people, they're on to you guys. They're on to you. And so now the cover up in this particular case is becoming very concerning. Very concerning in that, well, you've got David Weiss, who's been on the trail for years, and now suddenly they're changing the rules. You're not supposed to allow somebody to be a special prosecutor that has, you can have special counsel, that has actually been a member of the government. Like recently, maybe 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago. So yet they put this guy in anyway. That's weird. That's weird. And so finally today, there's a letter that was just released. You've got a letter that was sent by uh, three, three Congress people, including Comer, who's all over this, as well as Jim Jordan. And they're like, hold on. They're telling the DOJ they want to they want to like stop in the tracks here and get more information because they're worried, rightly so, that there's some weird cover-up thing going on. I mean, sometimes it's not always the crime, right? It is the cover-up that becomes even more of a problem. As I've said, I do think the crime in this case is a pretty big darn deal, but the cover-up is even scarier because they're sort of weaponizing the system, weaponizing it against anybody who would dare to challenge them and making it work for their friends. You know, there's... um. There's been examples of this. I mean, we, we had the whole situation of the illicit substance, right, in the White House, and we couldn't get any information, any information at all. Oh, well, then it turned out, <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> Hunter Biden was staying there when they found that illicit substance in the White House. And, and again, like, we've been totally stonewalled. We can't get any information, which is strange, right, because they're supposed to have cameras, right, in the White House. Like, if people can sneak things like that in, what else could they sneak in? I think something else is going on there, and I think it's fair of us to ask questions. Well, my friend Dan Bongino, terrific show. If you do not listen to his show, I highly, highly encourage you to do so. I'm going to play you a little clip from Dan. He's getting some information that, you know, I don't even know what to make of this. I'd be curious. You guys should tell me in the comments what you think of this. But his point is that that illicit substance, well, it might have been going to someone other than the person we think it's going to. Uh, Let me just play the clip, and and you let me know what you think.
4: Although I can't prove it isn't, he said, I'm actually getting some traffic that it may be another family member. And that the, oh, yeah, which I got to tell you, amigo uh, Armacost, was a big surprise to me as well. Not my information, someone else's. And then I got a call from someone else suggesting to me that not only may it have been another family member, but that the cocaine left in the cubby in the West Wing was not an accident. Again, not my theory. I'm just telling you what insider people are hinting to me, that not only was it not an accident, that the cubby it was intentionally left there as, a Joe, what we would call maybe a drop.
0: <laughs> okay, so he goes on. He's got this whole theory about how it's sort of like the The Uber Eats for your illicit materials. Look, I don't know what it is. I'm I'm just going to say that. Like, I don't know. But I am really angry that they are stonewalling us and they are not giving us any answers. They did not admit that Hunter Biden was staying there when this stuff was found. They have no information, no tapes, nothing. It's like the tapes go out, the lights went out in Georgia, right? I mean, like, come on. But anyway, Dan's making the point that his source, and he doesn't say, but, you know, remember Dan was in Secret Service for years, so he, he knows a, a few people. He doesn't say whether that person was part of the Secret Service, but he, he's been talking to a couple of people who are like, well, you know, like, this may not be who you think it is, and it could be somebody else. And, it, you know, if you if you go down that line, you would just say, I, I, I don't know how... Like, I don't know, like, this is not my world, frankly. And I don't know how anybody could function and beyond something like that. And um, you could only say, like, how would you do that at that age? I think it would be enormously dangerous, etc. Heart condition that would probably ensue. I, I don't even want to go there, but I will say this. Um, he's not that he's not that with it. Like, maybe he needs something. Here is Joe Biden. Remember when they asked him? while he was leaving vacation about Maui and whether he had any response to the victims of Maui and he, like, looks at them with a blank face. I mean, this guy is not well. President, any comments on the right Maui? Will you come talk
4: about the Hawaii response, Mr. President? Yeah. Uh, nothing there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing there. Nothing there. Nothing there at all because um he's just, like, staring at them blankly. <laughs> Must have been quite a vacation show. (laughs) Anyway, look, I'm laughing about it, but I guess, you know, this is not a laughing matter because this is, this is our country. And right now certain institutions are able to do a lot with the resources they have to affect things in the ways that they want. But I think that people are standing up to that and they're saying, okay, like I'm sick of it. This is enough. I mean you get the little kid out in Colorado who just had a patch of the "Don't Tread on Me" flag sewn onto his backpack, and it's like an international incident. I'm going to show you this video, but just just keep in mind, "Don't Tread on Me." Um, this is a flag that was part of the the colonial effort in in the Revolutionary War. I, I grew up in New Hampshire. Sometimes people mistake it for our flag in New Hampshire. It's not, but it was one of the 13, you know, it's the 13 colonies. You can get the snake. It says don't tread on me, known as the Gaston flag. Anyway, here's this poor kid getting called out in school. He can't go to class because he has Don't Tread on Me sewn onto his backpack and his mom gets called in. I want you to see it's going totally viral online because people are like, What? Like, why do you infer all this nonsense about our really actually awesome historic roots? Hey, if it weren't for those 13 colonies, we, we'd still be drinking tea all the time, right? And paying a lot of taxes. Oh, thank
2: you. Do they know what the Gadsden flag is? It's a historical flag. So they um,
5: the reason that they do not... Want the flag, we do not want the flag displayed, mm-hmm. is due to its origins with the the slavery war. and slave trade. That is what was, um, that's the reasoning behind them. That's
0: not really what its origins yeah.
2: are. The don't tread on me. Okay. Which is the gas yes
0: and okay. um, Not at all.
2: Okay. So he, he, um, He's, what's going to happen if he doesn't take it
5: off? He, I mean, he is able to go. I was actually just telling him, like, I was upset, upset that he was missing so much school. Yeah. I'm like, ah. So I asked him, can you just take his stuff out of his bag and go back to class? Like, I just want him to go back to class. The bag can't go back. and stuff got patch on it because we can't have that in and Around other kids, so that's what I was trying to. And then he
2: said you were close, so I was like, Oh, okay. yeah, it has nothing to do with slavery. That's like the Revolutionary the War patch. That Good was for the her, they were fighting the British. Like, that wasn't that's the revolution. Maybe you're thinking of like the um, the Confederate, pe- our
5: Confederate flag. Okay, I so I am here to enforce the policy that was provided okay. by the district okay. and. Definitely, you have every right to not agree with
2: it. I mean, yeah, because yeah, the ACLU absolutely. says that he's allowed to wear that. If you, like, go on their website, it's, like, says in big soap letters. I, I, all, all I'm saying is that unless there's, like, a ban on patches, period, like if you said, there's no patches allowed at the school. You cannot display what you think or anything like that or what cheer or anything like that. Um I, I don't, I think it's, like, one-sided, you know, because. You allow some patches but not other, other patches. Kids have
0: patches, Like other names, some like the
5: American flag and uh, bad facts.
2: Yeah. That was like flown during the revolution with um yeah, I, I just don't understand that at all. So what I can do is if, if you go on to the ACLU Web site, yeah, let's let's talk to I someone. Can, I can I, have have to, I, really I can have you speak to
5: I can have you speak to Jeff Yochum okay. again.
2: Um, and then he
5: can refer you to our person at the district. Okay. Um, because, like I said, we're following district policy is what we're doing.
0: Okay. So it goes on and on and on and on. And like, it's all going on. Well, let's be very clear. American students are fallen like rocks, like their math scores. AP just did a big story on this today. Kareem Jean-Pierre over at the White House can't give you any explanation. They just don't want to admit that students are actually failing. Well, it's because we're so obsessed with stuff like this. And by the way, they really don't know their history because this is not a flag that was about what they're insinuating. Now, I feel bad for the administrator. Like, you know, like she's just trying to do her job. And like, this is a crazy world. And there's like this power play going on. And then there's somebody at the district that says, no, 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 you can't have Don't Tread on Me. You know, they probably wouldn't allow live free or die either. This is... This is what they say on the license plate in New Hampshire. If I, if I, if I wear this on my, on my book bag, am I, am I in trouble? I might be like, like, this is the crazy world in which we live, even though this was, you know, something that was just said to, to the revolutionary war soldiers by a general John Stark. I mean, from Portsmouth, New Hampshire, actually Stark Street is is named after him in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, live free or die. And so it's part of our state motto. Don't tread on me. And that flag has never been associated with really crazy stuff such as they're suggesting. But I guess now it is like now like they make the rules. They make the rules. And we just have to like bow and say, okay. like what are we talking about today? Can we wear this? Can we not? Do we have to wear one mask or two masks or three masks? Or maybe we shouldn't wear a mask because, oh, there was that NIH study that said, this one came out just in the spring, that said actually the fumes that come from those disposable masks are really pretty toxic. And so you're better off with cotton masks, but wait a second. They said that cotton masks couldn't actually protect you as much. So which is it guys? Oh, apparently you have to let the mask sit outside the box for 30 minutes before you, I'm telling you this because this is going to be important this fall. Like they're talking about it already. Anyway, it's just like, what, what's up guys? Like, why not just live and let live as long as you're not offending anyone. And yet in other ways, they're offending us in a pretty disastrous, scary kind of situation. And by that, I mean, what's going on with women's sports? And, and I'm sorry, but like, it's not fair. It's not fair to girls. We are not built with the same muscle capacity, okay? And guess what else? You guys can't have babies. So there you go. That's how it works. X, 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 Y. And depending on what you're born with, you're going to have a certain hormonal capability and capacity, which is going to make you, if you were born as a man, stronger. I can't believe I have to explain this, but somebody needs to explain it to Joe Biden and that brilliant rocket scientist that he has for a PR person, Kareem Jean-Pierre, who was asked this question in today's press conference. Watch. Tell me what you think of this one.
1: And daughters, does he care that girls are allowed to compete in sports without I just, fear I, of injury? Just, does he think it's fair for girls to have to compete against biological males?
2: I just answered the question. It is a complicated issue. It is truly a complicated issue with a
0: wide range of views, a wide range of views. There is no yes or no answer to this. It is complicated. There's a rule that the Department of Education has put forward, uh, and we're going to let that, that Process move forward, uh, and uh, it is
2: uh, again. Uh, we want to make sure that uh, while we establish guardrails with this rule, uh, that we also prevent discrimination as well against transgender kids. But again, a complicated issue with a wide range of views, and we respect that.
0: <laughs> How is it that complicated? I mean, if if somebody who identifies as female today go for you know you want to identify as female, be my guest. Okay, like you do you, but don't compete against me in the swimming race, or in the biking race, or in the running race, or anything else for that matter. For goodness sakes, I mean this is where they, meaning these insane progressives, who have taken this so far that it's like kind of a fascist. I mean, they are just. They're off the reservation. Oh, I'm not supposed to say that. Okay, well, you know what I'm saying. They've gone too far. They've gone way, way too far. And let me just say that in the most politically correct terminology possible. Karine Jean-Pierre, to to be insisting that she's going to protect the rights of, of people who were born as men but want to compete against women. I'm sorry, when it comes to sports, it's not that complicated. It's actually pretty simple. Pretty darn simple, except that it has become a kind of war. And the bullying that's happening is pretty intense. And Dylan Mulvaney is leading the charge. General Mulvaney out there collecting some award because somehow Dylan is like the content creator of the year. And while collecting the award, referred in very specific terms to the trans community and the trans community's allies. I brought this up yesterday, and I'm like, what the heck is he using the word, forgive me, she, whatever. Dylan, we're going to go with Dylan so that I can be so politically correct and not get myself in trouble or kicked off this. By the way, subscribe if you haven't, just in case. Do me that favor. So here is Dylan Mulvaney talking about allies, and I, just, I ask why Dylan would use that term.
1: Oh, my God. You know, I'm really shocked because I thought the only award I would ever maybe win was maybe a Tony Award, but now I'm a musical theater gal with a (laughs) streamy Theater TikTok, we made it to the mainstream. Uh, 532 days ago, I made a coming out video that turned into my Days of Girlhood series. And... uh, my life has been changed for the better. Um, but on the flip side, there's also been an extreme amount of transphobia and hate. And I know that my community is feeling it. And I now know that even our allies are feeling it. And I look around this room, and I just see so many amazing allies that have platforms. And I think allyship right now needs to look differently. And you need to support trans people publicly. And and. and <laughs> and proudly, and I think the trans community and the creator community actually have something in common, and it's that people often underestimate us. But I know that we can stay optimistic about just the future of transness in general, because if we can influence people to buy $22 Air smoothies, we can also do this. Um, I just, I love you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to go have a beer, and I love you.
0: Yeah, like, why not just uh, throw in a little dig to Bud Light, <laughs> whose share price you sent plunging to the point where Anheuser-Busch, AB Invev, has now lost $40 billion worth of market cap. Sales in the last week are down 30%. Anyway, you heard the language, right? Very, very interesting choice, using the word allies and allies. Ally ship. And I said this to you guys like maybe it's just because I was a history major, but when I hear allies, I'm thinking World War II. So it's like you're either with us as an ally or what? You're you're a a Nazi if you're not? And, and like we gotta get our allies like more powerful and our ally ship, like it's like a warship together. I mean that was not lost on me. And again, I may I may just be too sensitive to it because, again, I s- spent my uh, academic career studying history. But I thought that was a strange choice of words. Um, I, I want to play you something else because you look around at what's going on and it's really sad what's happening to some kids. I mean, some kids just, you know, they don't know how to fit in. They're going through an awkward stage and they're turning – to this transgenderism, which has really significant long-term consequences. And if you make the wrong decision on that, like, there's really no turning back, right? That's why it's really hard when a 12-year-old is making these decisions. Anyway, somebody who is so far left, she may soon be right, is an academic named Camille Paglia, who did a a big dissertation on this at, at Yale, like, back in the 70s, and she's been so outspoken on feminism and gender issues throughout her career. And I want you to hear what she's saying on this because her point is is that we have seen things like this in history before, including in the Weimar Republic ahead of World War II, and it typically does not end well. So don't take it from me. Listen to a woman who has devoted her academic career to the study of these issues, Professor Camille Paglia, Here she is, and she said this back in, oh, I don't know, 2015? So this is from a while back, and yet it holds so true today
6: proof of that but now i began my all of my studies my, my book sexual personae began as a dissertation at yale graduate school on androgyny i've always been fascinated attracted to, you know to the subject of androgyny uh, and, and that's what sexual personae is i explored it in history but the, the more i explored it i realized that um that historically this uh this uh, the movement toward androgyny occurs in late phases of culture okay as a as a civilization is starting to uh, unravel Okay, and that, and you can find it again and again and again through history in the in, in the in the Greek art. Okay, you can you can see it happening. All of a sudden, okay, there's a, there's a kind of, uh, you know, the 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 sculptures of of um, of handsome nude young men athletes that used to be very robust. Okay, in the archaic period, suddenly begin to seem like wet noodles. Okay, toward the end. Okay, and, the, uh, and that and that the people who 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 live in such periods, a late phase of culture. Whether it's it's the Hellenistic era, whether it's the Roman Empire, whether it's it's uh, the mauve decade of Oscar Wilde in the 1890s, whether it's in Weimar Germany, people who live in such times, okay, feel. That um, they're very sophisticated, they're very cosmopolitan. Okay, and, and homosexuality, heterosexuality, so what? Anything goes, and so on. All right, and so, and, but, but we, from the perspective of, of historical distance, okay, you can see that it's a culture that no longer believes in itself. Okay, and then, and, and then, what you what you invariably get are, are you know, are, are are people who are convinced of the power of heroic masculinity. Okay, on the edges, whether they're the Vandals and the Huns, okay, or whether or whether they're the barbarians of ISIS okay you see them
0: you know yeah she's right so in other words this has happened before I mean maybe we didn't have quite the science to go along with it back in the 1890s and in the Weimar Republic there was some of this going on actually in Switzerland they had a clinic for this very very dangerous stuff if you would change your gender but her point is is that This is what happens in late stages of culture. When people no longer believe in their culture, they no longer believe in themselves. They look out the window. They can't tell if it's night or day. They don't know if they are male or female. And it permeates an entire culture. And then at some point, some people are like, okay, this is getting a little too weird. And they come in and they're like, no, this is this. And this is that. And and then you get into this very black and white environment, and usually there's violence ahead of it. So we don't want that, okay? Like, we don't want any of that, which is why it is so critical and so important that those progressives on the left try and spend two minutes understanding the damage that they are doing to our society, to our kids, and to our future. Like, y- you you do you, I do me, and we're all good, Right? We can have respect for one another without pushing something down everyone's throat. And speaking of having respect for one another, speaking of the preservation of culture and femininity and motherhood, which is spectacular, by the way, there's a woman who is just named Mrs. America, and she's from South Dakota, and she's a businesswoman. She has her own business and she has seven kids that she homeschools. Like, she's a complete hero. She just won. And I want you to hear what she said when the judges asked her. They asked her, when have you felt most empowered? It's amazing.
2: Step up to the mic. I'll read it for you twice. Just like I do. When
5: have you felt the most empowered?
1: When have you felt the most empowered?
5: I have felt this feeling seven times now as I bring these sacred souls to the earth after I hold that newborn baby
2: in my arms.
5: The feeling of motherhood and bringing them to the earth.
0: It's the most empowering feeling I have ever felt. Oh my gosh, I got chills. I got chills. I really did. Um, it's true. You know, I don't think there's anything more empowering in the world. And I've had that experience lucky enough for me. I, I, I have three. And it, it, it's like one of those things where you're like, Wow, like this is a miracle. Life is a miracle, and being a woman is a miracle. And no matter how much they throw that pregnant male man emoji around, I'm sorry, you know what? There's only one sex that can do that. There's only one, one sex that can produce another human being, actually, you know, carry them in their body, and that would be that would be us. That would be us ladies. Okay. So I leave you with that. This terrific seven kids. Look at Here she is with her children and her husband out in South Dakota. You go, Mrs. America. We need more. We need more people like this. Really. I mean, or if not more, we just need to remember that this is partly what what we all are are here on earth right to be and to do thank you so much for listening everyone i'll be back tomorrow thank you for the live show just quickly before i let you go i do want to say hey robert thank you chuck mark good to see all you guys Davy, i love all the historical references and uh, yeah i've been looking at all of your stuff as we go and you are right one of you guys pointed out we're up over one hundred and twenty five thousand. that's thanks to you that's thanks to you because you've liked it you've shared it you've you've totally helped catapult this show To where it is right now. So I appreciate it. I thank you and I'll see you tomorrow.